pick something that feels like I want to have a goal, a vision, a dream. I want something more than this. And when you paint that level 10, ask yourself the simple question, what's one thing I could do today that would get me a tiny bit closer? That's the voice of Katrina McGee. Have you ever dreamt of taking a gap year or a career break? Yes, me too. And today on Living Big Mindfully, that's exactly what we're exploring. Katrina is a career break and sabbatical coach who empowers people to create and take epic gap adventures. Katrina is also a digital nomad and author of the book, Taking a Career Break for Dummies. She starts out with sharing a bit about her journey, along with some of the twists and turns that led her to where she is today. She talks about her corporate journey, about knowing how it was time for her to make a change, and how taking a career break has radically altered her life. We chat about why taking risks and being uncomfortable is so important. And then Katrina walks us through her four foundational pillars, giving listeners tips and strategies specifically about finding purpose, figuring out the finances, and working through the fears that come along with taking an extended break. No surprise, Katrina wraps it all up with some wise sage advice. I'm so glad to be sharing this conversation with you today. Katrina's energy, courage, and sense of adventure are just contagious. We connected on several levels, but one that really stands out to me is our desire. We have a mutual desire to explore. And my hope for you is that this episode inspires you to get out and explore what's possible for you. And talking about exploring, make sure you are signed up for our Women's Wellness Expo. This is an awesome one-day event where you get to explore your inner and outer worlds, learn, build community, and have a ton of fun doing that. So check out the early bird specials and more info at womenswellnessexpo.com or katechampionauthor.com backslash expo. Okay, that's enough for me. Here's Katrina. Hello, Katrina. I am so happy to connect with you today. How are you? I am good, Kate. I'm here at the beach. I have a beautiful view and I'm so excited for our conversation. So it's a good day. It is a great day. So tell me about the beach. Which beach? Where? Yeah, I'm on the coast of South Carolina at a small beach called Folly Beach, which is weirdly very popular. The people I tell seem to have all been here before. So I didn't know that, but um, it's a really pretty place and it's kind of tranquil this morning. Beautiful. I love the beach and the ocean. And yeah, that South Carolina area is just gorgeous. Yeah. All right. So let's dive in. I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your journey and, you know, tell us about your story and how you got led to doing what you're doing today. You know, I was a corporate achiever. I had been fairly successful at it. I wouldn't say I was the most successful corporate climber, but I definitely had won a few awards, gotten some promotions along the way, but always kind of knew I wanted more than just sitting in an office, you know, being an employee, but I really had no idea what that meant. And quite honestly, when I graduated from college, I was just so excited to have a paycheck. My parents, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. So this was really exciting for me to have a corporate career as an actuary and be making great money and have great job security. So I kind of leaned into that season of life, did that for eight years at various companies. I think I was in three different companies over that time. And then I was ready to make a change, but the steady paycheck, the good job security, the accolades and all the things 
made me feel like I needed to make a very air quotes, smart decision for what I was going to do next. So if it's not actuarial science, what could it be? I don't know, but I have to maintain that great paycheck. I have to maintain that job security. So I went and got my MBA. I really didn't know what I was going to do after that experience was over, but I just knew it seemed like a smart decision. It was amazing. I had a great time, but it wasn't really the learning aspect of it that I enjoyed. I got to travel abroad for the first time. I, um, you know, got better at speaking Spanish. I got to study Spanish, um, you know, as a foreign language credit. And I met some really amazing people doing really interesting things. So I feel like it really expanded my mind to what was possible. And at the end of that, I decided to accept a job in Minnesota. So I moved to Minnesota and became a market researcher. And this was the moment when I realized I had hit my expiration date on corporate life. Um, it did not feel good. I gave myself eight months. You know, it's a new job. It was a really high intensity job. And it's a very, it was a very sort of upper out culture um, there. Like you have to work really hard and you're getting your ratings and your reviews and you have to be better than your peer set. And I just found that after eight months of really trying to get my feet, you know, underneath of me and learn the role and the new career that I had. I still felt like I was in the wrong place. And it was scary because it seemed like everyone around me felt like they were in the right place. And I thought, man, there must be something wrong with me. So I ended up actually hiring a life coach that was um, introduced to me through a mutual friend. And I didn't really even know what life coaches were. This was 2011. I used to go to her house for our sessions, but she changed my life and she gave me the inner wisdom or the ability to hear my own inner wisdom and to know that I was allowed to make different choices than the ones I had made in the past that had led me to this place that felt not me, inauthentic, and honestly, just disappointing, right? Lots of success, lots of great experiences along the way, but ultimately not where I was supposed to end up. And so in those sessions with her, I had this epiphany. I needed to take a break. I needed to quit my job. All I wanted to do was travel around the world for a year um, I didn't have the financial means to do that. So I had to make a plan for how I was going to make that happen. But that planted a seed for the life, the career um, that I have today, and also the book that I wrote. So it was a very pivotal moment for me. Um, and after saving $40,000 in 18 months after that breakthrough, I left my corporate job and took a 20-month career break to travel around the world. Wow, there's just so much there, so much there. So thank you for sharing a little bit about the story. We'll get into the book and your your journey um, in a moment, but I do want to get really how, what do you think for you was formative with regard to this um, belief or drive, right, that, you know, life has to have this certain pattern, right, that we grow up, we go to high school, we go to college, we get the job. What? What was driving that for you? I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm curious. Yeah, for me, you know, I think there's a word that permeates, um, you know, pretty much my existence as the firstborn and a high achiever and a generally smart kid. And that's the word better, right? Always doing better. And I think my parents wanted better for me. They wanted me to have a great income. I wanted better for myself. We didn't really get to take a lot of vacations as a kid. I saw other people taking vacations. We didn't go out to restaurants. I remember going out to Pizza Hut was like a really fancy night out. And that was like once every few months we would do it. And it was this desire for other kinds of experiences that I craved on top of wanting to 
be a successful human. And not having the wisdom to know what that really meant for myself, I borrowed, right, the sort of expectations and rules of other people or society in general of how do I become successful? And I think there is a very well-worn, well-trodden path that you go to school, you get amazing grades, you get hired by a company, you do great work, you get promoted, and you just keep going down that same path with no pivots <laughs> and no breaks, no nothing. And so I feel like I just sort of defaulted onto that path, maybe for, you know, again, a mixture of reasons. But I was really trying to create a big life. It was just that at the time that I was 17 and then 21 and then 25, that was the only way I really knew how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. And I remember, I think, you know, pre-chats, right? You you really shared that you are from a kind of a small rural town and um, in the Appalachians, I believe. And, you know, I, I, I would imagine that is the route out, right? I mean, that's what you're taught, right? That's what you're told, that, you know, education and it's driving and getting all these accolades is the, is the kind of route out of that. I don't know if that was your experience. I don't want to put words into your mouth. Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that nuance. You know, I think I decided that was my way out. But what was interesting is that most people didn't want a way out. So it wasn't that I was being programmed to say, like, if you want a way out, this is the way you get it. But just looking around, you know, my in my graduating class, I think there were maybe 12 or 13 of us that actually went outside of the state for undergrad. And I remember I wanted to get as far away as I could because I wanted to see the world. I wanted to know more things. I wanted to have a different kind of experience. I'm also biracial. And, you know, there was a lot of feeling like I didn't really belong um, in my experience growing up. And so I was excited and hopeful for finding new places where maybe I felt more like I fit in. But, um, you know, I definitely felt like that was my way out, but it was more of an internal thing mixed with maybe my parents' um, gentle nudgings. They both had college degrees as well. Um, but yeah, it wasn't something I saw all around me or had a lot of teachers telling me. There were a few that were very big proponents of that, but it just was like, I know I don't want more of this. So let me go down this path and create something different. Yeah, that's beautiful. So there was there was this kind of internal knowing, right? There was this internal kind of drive, this internal knowing for, for a wider lens for that. You know, and I can really connect to that because I grew up in a pretty small rural village in England, a little different, but I've always had this, I call it itchy feet or wanderlust, right? I've always wanted to see what's around the next corner, see what's over the next hill. I've always wanted to spring, but spread my wings. So I really connect with that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I remember my first job, I was 15 and it was a crazy job over the summer where I worked from like 11 p.m. until like 7 a.m. as a laundry worker at the nursing home. And I used to take my break solo. I mean, at 2 a.m., no one is really awake or doing anything. And I would just sit with a cup of coffee in the break room. And I just saw myself on the, the the road, like just going different places. That was my big fantasy, right? Was just all the places I could go, all the people I could meet. So similar to you, it was definitely a sense of wanderlust. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really lovely. Really lovely. So um, you have written a book, right? I want to get the name right. Taking a Career Break for Dummies, right? So, so that's part of the For Dummies series. And obviously, we'll put links to the show notes to this. So tell me, let's take a little bit of a deep dive into kind of really taking this career break and how it's, how it's completely changed your life. I really want to hear more about that. Yeah, I was so fortunate. It was not intentional at all. I didn't know I even wanted to take a break when I started working with my life coach. 
But through the deprogramming process and the really getting more connected to my true self and what my true desires were, I just had this realization I wanted to see the world and change my life. I didn't want to come back to the same life I'd had before. I had no idea what I would do instead or what was waiting for me at the end of the break. And quite honestly, that was really scary, but it was also very um, freeing and kind of thrilling because I knew I wanted something really different. And so the benefit of having a coach at that time, she wasn't a career break coach. She was just a regular coach is that I was being super intentional about so many things in my life that it naturally transitioned over into planning the break. And so I was really thoughtful about the foundation. And I think that, you know, the disclaimer on my experience is that it was life changing and I will tell you how, but I think having a really strong foundation and clarity on why am I taking this break? And what are the four themes or pillars of this experience? So if life hands me surprises or changes happen or money things come up, I'm really oriented towards what success means for me. I've defined that before the break starts. So I can design, you know, with the end in mind. Um, it was life changing in so many ways, you know, on the positive side. It made me feel so free. I was free in a way I have never been free before. I had worked really hard to save that $40,000. And once I had it, I gave myself permission to spend it. I had a red zone number. I think it was around 5K. And I knew once I got down to 5K in my bank account, then it was time to re-enter and stress about what was going to come next. But I gave myself pretty uh, pretty free reign to spend that money in ways that were aligned with my objectives, right? With those purpose statement, with the purpose statement and the themes. I felt free with location. I could go wherever I wanted. I could change my mind. When I needed to um, come back to the US while I was in Italy, because my mom was in the hospital and it was, you know, she was in urgent care or in the ER and I was worried, I just booked a points and miles trip and I just went. And it was like, okay, I can just do whatever I need to do and be wherever I need to be. I felt free with my money. I didn't feel that same sense of scarcity that I have while I'm collecting that paycheck and feeling like I have to be, you know, while I was saving money for my break, it felt very rigid. This felt very expansive. But more than that, I was able to find joy. I was able to remember how interesting a human I was. I felt really subpar as a human when I was leaving my corporate life because I was always being compared to my peers. And sometimes you're at the top of the pack and sometimes you're in the back. And sometimes I was in the back or at the bottom. And it wasn't because I wasn't good, but it's just like, I really wasn't pushing myself the way that some other people were because I wasn't so, I wasn't excited. I wasn't as motivated. And so it was really amazing to reconnect to the sparkly version of me and to feel that sense of time freedom, you know, location freedom, financial freedom. Um, it was truly life-changing. I think the hard change for me was circumstantial. It was not related to my break, but that was the fact that I unexpectedly lost my little brother one week before my break started. And that was completely unexpected. And um, it kind of altered the place from which I began that break. But what was confirmatory and validating to me is that I could see at the end of that break that it saved my life. It was so amazing to have $40,000, a plan, clarity and um you know just have already left my job i gave them 8 months notice so they knew way before all of this happened that i was leaving and like when i was going to leave and to walk into that break it was the one place i could be where i could find myself again and find something to be excited for and you know inspired to keep living um versus having to go back to that job with no savings and no plan after he had died hmm. 
Wow, that is a pretty massive, massive. I mean, you talk about planning, planning for surprises. That's a pretty massive event to happen a week before you leave. I mean, wow, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you. Can you, if you're comfortable, tell me a little bit about, I don't know, I'm just imagining there just must have been maybe a whirlwind of thoughts and feelings and emotions and should I go or should I stay? And um, can you give us a little bit of an insight like into that time frame if you feel comfortable? Yeah, of course. Um, it was definitely a tornado of thoughts and feelings. Um, there was a lot of shock. So I think, you know, the first few weeks are really hard to remember all the things I was feeling because my brain kept thinking, he's here somewhere. He's just, you can't see him, but he's here. And I kept looking for him and I kept thinking I'm in a nightmare and I'm going to wake up. Right. So it's sort of that process of grief and shock that, um, was really difficult. So I, you know, I essentially went into my break kind of in a place of, of shock, but as the break was coming, I luckily had, you know, planned for giving myself some time to get rid of the last of my things, go visit my boyfriend's family. Um, they lived in Minnesota as well. And to kind of like get grounded for a week or two before hitting the road and doing a three-month road trip, which was my first big sort of adventure for the break. And I questioned everything. Um, I questioned if that was the right thing to do. I questioned if I was a self-centered, selfish, greedy person for trying to do this because there were people in my life that were really struggling. Um, struggling big time, like my mom, right? She lost her son. And that is as as epic as my loss is. Um, I think in some ways, right? That's a that's a loss I will not understand is losing a child because I don't have children. And I think for her, you know, in her grief fog and in her shock, her brain said, Oh, this is perfect. Your daughter, your other living child, now has all this free time. She has money. She's already quit her job. She can come be with you and keep you company and you guys can grieve together. And that is what I felt like a good daughter would do. And I'm usually the best of the best, but I had a really deep understanding from all of this life coaching work that I was going to lose myself if I went home. And it wasn't just because of my mom, but it was, you know, being responsible for holding someone else's grief on top of processing my own and being in the place where I grew up with my brother and where he passed away. I just felt like I had done so much work to reclaim my life and I was going to be giving that all up to go home and be sad. And I quite honestly wondered if I went home to be sad, would I lose myself to depression? Would I sink into a hole that I would never come out of? And it felt like this break was the one chance I had to not go down that deep, dark hole and to find myself and to find reasons to be excited for life again. And I felt like I had to take it, but I also felt like I was the worst child a parent could ever give birth to because I was choosing myself. And, you know, I give my mom full credit. Like she was in a really difficult, dark place that any parent could understand. And I don't think it was wrong of her to expect that. I can see logically that made perfect sense, but it was really hard for me to choose myself. And I did. And it was really difficult for several months, but I went home for two or three months over the holidays that Christmas. And, you know, first holidays suck in all kinds of ways, but, um, but I was home for, for like three months helping her take care of some health stuff. And I felt like we really got to reconnect at that time. And so much of her pain wasn't about me. It wasn't about my choices. It was about being mad at God and the fact that her son isn't here. Right. And I totally could understand that. And so, by me taking care of myself first, I was able to be 
better for her and for the other people in my life. And, you know, Mm -hmm. now my mom and I are awesome. Like, you know, it didn't take a long time for us to repair, but it was really scary. There was a time where I thought, you know, did I lose my brother and my mom too? Like, will she ever, will she ever like love me the same or, you know, like be, um, be as happy, right. As like, I want her to be. And so it was really scary, but I was very grateful to my then boyfriend who decided to come on the road trip with me. And, you know, a lot of the travels I did solo, but that one he did with me. And it was so incredible to have a partner that showed up to be there and be encouraging and be like, it's okay if you do this and I will be here and I will help drive and like, we will figure this out. So I give him a lot of credit for um, helping me feel safe and making this decision that didn't feel so safe. Yeah. So, all right, I want to take a, I want to take a pause here for a minute because you just shared so much, and I'm just kind of I don't know I'm just really res- resonating with with the emotion and the compassion and the struggle. I can't imagine, right? You know this this good daughter part of you colliding, or and or let's say and this part of you that knows that you have to continue on this journey to really save yourself, right? I mean, that is an incredible internal struggle. I can't just, I just can't imagine what that was like for you. And then you said something along the lines of taking care of myself has, has made me better able to help and care for others, right? So, so through this, right, you've been able to kind of give more and, be more for others, right? Is that is that what I'm understanding? That it's it's you you it's just widen your ability to really kind of love and care and connect and and kind of show up in ways that maybe you couldn't have done before your break. Yes, and right, it made me sturdy. So I think I was so wobbly, it gave me the sturdiness to turn around and help others because if I wasn't sturdy, I sure as heck couldn't be sturdy for others. And it has given me some, I mean, of course, right? I feel like I joined a very involuntary club of people and I don't know how people survive that loss. And I remember for probably the first two years, just feeling like a zombie in a way. Um, This is so morbid, but it's just the truth, right? I remember um, that first, I think it was maybe like the first six months, eight months of suffering that loss. I used to have like a fear of flying. I would fly. I would fly all the time. That's how you get somewhere as you fly. But I would always be like a little bit nervous, like, please don't let this plane go down. And I just remember for those six to eight months, I would be on a plane and I was not nervous at all. And I was like, you know what? If this plane goes down, I'm at peace with it. I just don't, you know, like I'm fine. I'm kind of indifferent. And it wasn't that I wanted to die by any stretch, but I just really was struggling with like, that excitement for life and that desire to really live like in all capital letters. And I feel like I joined a club where I learned what that experience was. I learned a lot more about compassion, although I think I was a compassionate person. I learned so much more about it, so much more about loss. And I feel like it it did allow me to show up in a bigger capacity for others. But most importantly, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I was so empty. And so I had nothing to give anyone else. And if I had tried, I would have like tumbled down any hole that someone else had fallen down with them. Yeah. So I'm going to do another time out. So I will, I really want to reiterate that because I love that phrase that you cannot pour from an empty cup, right? You just can't. You have to, you have to care for yourself, right? People talk about self care. I like to frame that, reframe that like you have to care for yourself. 
because you cannot pour for an empty cup. And if you do, if you keep pouring for an em- from an empty cup, which so many people do, I'm a therapist, I work a lot with women and they seem to be wired to pour empty yes. cup. Like, right. But you're going to get sick, right? Something's going to break. It's going to be a breakdown. It's going to be anxiety. It's going to be depression. It's going to be an autoimmune thing. It's going to be something's going to stop you in your tracks and say, Hey, it's time to take care of you. So yeah, I love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've just summarized very simply why I do the work I do, right? It's like, I'm here to talk about breaks because you can't pour from an empty cup and you deserve, you deserve all the liquid before you start pouring into others, right? I had someone share this, this line with me that just really stuck with me. And it's that I couldn't stop for gas because I was too busy driving. And I think that women, especially, but humans, right? We are living oriented that way, especially when it comes to work. And if we even have a tiny bit left in our cup or in our tank, we're like, oh, I'm at 10%. I'm good. I have something to give now. And we pour it out and we go back to zero. And then we pour it out and we go back to zero. And we never give ourselves permission to know what a hundred percent or even 80% feels like because we're so busy pouring out of this cup the second that we feel like we've crossed some threshold where we're not empty and it's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All of the above. All of the above. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. All right. Let's take a breath for a moment. So you mentioned the foundations, right? You mentioned the your foundations of the four pillars that you kind of looked at as you were planning this break. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of what those what those four pillars are? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and with my coaching clients, they'll have different pillars. So everybody designs like their own individual pillars There are definitely groups and clusters I see, which mine fell into that as well. But my personal themes for my break were around the first one was around exploration. So clearly I wanted to explore the world around me. That was so important. That's where the travel came in. But I also wanted to explore myself. I wanted to understand who I am separate of the work I do, but also what I'm really capable of beyond the stuff I've done in the past, because that was not bringing me joy. There was an element of learning. I'm a complete nerd. I love learning things. My brain is hyper-stimulated. Oftentimes when I'm learning um, on the strengths finder, my top two strengths are intellection and input. So I'm always collecting random facts and I love thinking deeply about things. So that was another important thing. I wanted to take classes. I wanted to explore new um, hobbies and interests and things like that. Reconnection was really important for me. And this was before, you know, my brother passed away. So therefore it just became even more important. But part of me taking a break was actually dedicated to spending time reconnecting with friends and family. I I live in the US. I worked in the US. I get my, you know, 10 PTO personal time off days a year. And I have to make that work to go to weddings, travel for family on holidays, visit friends, take a vacation, recover on my own, like all the things. And there's just not enough time. If you're doing the math, you've run out of days, you know, too deep in that list. And so for me, it was a chance to just clear my plate and make time for the people I care about. I deeply felt even before I lost my brother that life is a fleeting experience and you have to spend, you have to make time and spend time with the people that you love because they are what makes this experience special. And when he died, it just amplified that, you know, to level 100 for me. But that was a core tenant for my break as well was this idea of connecting and reconnecting. 
And then there was an element of restoration. I was burned out. I had been grinding it out and trying to be, you know, a high achiever. I was a high achiever and I was just tired. And so I wanted time to relax, to feel spacious and to really enjoy life in the way that you imagine maybe if you were an alien or something and you came down and everything was new and foreign, can you find pleasure and wonder in the simple things like the taste of a strawberry or the view of sunset, you know, from your balcony. And so I really wanted time to just absorb the the beauty of life and to also just rest. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really resonate with the explore part. I, you know, I have my own kind of mission and vision. And one of the, those is to help people explore their internal worlds and the external world, right? So I, I, you know, really connecting with that sense of kind of exploration, which I think is so powerful. And you're right in the way that kind of, I don't know, culture is engineered. People don't really have the space to explore, right? They don't really have the time and space to explore, you know, the internal, right? What are my joys? What are my challenges? What are my hopes? What are my dreams? And the external, like you said, you get these 10 days a year, like, you know, you know, maybe you get to the beach or the mountains for a few days. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but what about the wider world, right? What about the planets, right? There's just so much to jump into and connect with. So I totally resonate with the explore part. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing. One of my questions for you is why is being uncomfortable and taking risks so important? Yeah. Woo. This is this is the lesson, right? I think I think life is is the lesson we're here to learn things and to grow. I think becoming and exploring the biggest version of ourselves, which, you know, we can choose to accept that mission or not, but I feel like I'm here as a soul and part sometimes when things get really hard, I choose to believe that maybe there was a spirit me choosing to come down in this life. And I was like, I want to live. I want to do life. I'm so curious. I want to do all the things and I want it to be a big life. I want to know what sad is. I want to know what elation is. I want to know what excitement is. I want to know what terror is, right? And I try to remember that in that sense of life being a gift and also just one big ridiculous adventure, both positive and negative. And I think to experience that version of life or even something close to it, you have to be willing to grow. You have to be willing to expand. You have to be willing to stretch into other parts of yourself. That's how you discover what you're capable of and what you have to give to this world, right? Your gifts reveal themselves. And so I think if comfort is the only measure of, of like your decision and your decision making criteria, comfort comes at the top. I think your life over time will get smaller and smaller. It's really easy to be afraid. Our human brains are primed to keep us safe. They're primed to look for fear. And if we're constantly collecting fear, by the time we're, you know, 50, 60, 70, it's going to be way more fear than excitement or things that we get, you know, like really feeling empowered by. And so I'm here to live a big life. You absolutely cannot do that. You absolutely cannot have an impact on other people and you can't know yourself if comfort and playing small and keeping keeping things feeling safe, which it's just an assumption that they're safe. They're never really safe. But, you know, going for safety as a feeling like that life is so boring. I'm here for so much more than that. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm also big on pushing ourselves outside our comfort zone. I think, again, I think our lives are engineered to be so comfortable that our tolerance, right? Our tolerance for discomfort has kind of like over the last 50, 100, 200 years, right? It's really shrunk. Yeah, Um, absolutely. We have to really be intentional. You use that word intentional. We have to really be intentional about how we get start to push ourselves to be a little more uncomfortable. I think it's vital. And if we don't do it, life will do it for us. I would rather choose my discomfort and make it in sacrifice of something that I'm a goal I'm trying to attain or something I want to experience than to just wait for life to hand me a bunch of punches. Because guess what? Life is going to knock you down and it's going to make you uncomfortable and it's going to put you way outside your comfort zone. But when you're actively a part of that process and choosing when you can, you know, the things you're going for, you're creating mind-blowing good things in in the midst of sometimes mind-blowing bad things, right? And so you never get to be completely comfortable. It's like life will do what it does. Similar to that story I told you with the break, I was so grateful that I had stepped way beyond my comfort zone to take a break so that I could handle the blow of losing my brother in a way that I wouldn't have been able to handle it without it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. What were some of the kind of thinking about your journey now, right? You had this 20-month break, which is beautiful what were some of your highlights and pivotal moments that really really like are now seared into your unconscious forever what were some of those pivotal moments yeah i mean on the road trip it was a really magical experience i feel so grateful to have done it i had lots of friends that had had kids or gotten married and i never met their spouse i had never met their children just because life right we lived in different states far apart and there was just never enough time and i think that massive surge of connection really felt so good that it helped me re-engineer my life beyond um you know just that career break forward moving to to valid to to validate that desire to connect and to prioritize that desire to connect. And so I am a much more um, connected person and I spend much more time engaging and investing in maintaining and building friendships and relationships because of that. And so when I think about that time, one of the fondest memories I have is just all the amazing people I got to see, got to see their homes, got to meet their families. Um, On the adventure side, one of the biggest lessons and sort of takeaways for me was when I was in Vietnam. So I had read a a lot of mixed things on Vietnam. Some people loved it. Some people were like, absolutely stay away. This was, I went back in 2014. So it was 10 years ago. Um, And it just felt scary to me. I was like, I obviously don't speak Vietnamese. And, um, you know, people have been scammed there. They've had terrible experiences there, but I'm obsessed with food. I have a gluten allergy. And I was like, I feel like this is a once in a lifetime experience to go eat my way through Vietnam. And I feel like that helped tip the scales in favor of going because I was already going to be in Southeast Asia for several months. I went there. I loved it. It became one of the three most magical places and magical experiences of my 20 month, you know, travels. And I was so profoundly moved by the kindness I experienced there, given that I had been so concerned and so worried about feeling unsafe. And I have multiple stories of people just being so kind from little ways, like seeing me walking down the street and pulling me over and ushering me to like, hold my purse real tight. Like they were just worried about me, right? They were just like, hold your purse tight and walk, whatever. Like they were just like, it's a, it's a solo female traveler. I want her to be safe. Um, giving me like 
a free smoothie, when I look like I'm having a sad day, like just being concerned to having people buy me lunch. These two women who were much younger than me um, and spoke a little bit of English. I was on a bus from Dalat to Ho Chi Minh and they invited me during the lunch stop to get off and eat with them. And they wanted to practice their English and they ended up paying for my lunch, which was just insane and insanely generous. And it was like, wow, all these people care. These people care and they're taking this vested interest in me and my well-being. And I really left that experience, both Vietnam and just my break in general, believing that humanity is good. I think I questioned that going into my break. And, you know, sometimes moments still happen where I question that still, but I really lean on that experience in those 20 months of just realizing like the world is a better place than I had thought it was, at least the the experiences that I had had. And it made me feel a lot safer. I think in the US, especially as a single woman, I was fed a lot of fears and concerns and horror stories about what's going to happen to me if I travel by myself. And to feel like I was safer in other countries was a little bit surprising. Um, but also just to be astounded and touched by the kindness I experienced over and over and over again was really special. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's my experience too in, in traveling and backpacking is like, you know, the world is the world and that community, that traveler, hiker, backpacker community is generally, you know, super kind and super welcoming and super helpful and just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Question. My, what if somebody maybe a little bit later in life, right? What if somebody was, you know, really getting ready, they really want to make a change and they really want to kind of take a career break, right? What maybe some tips, practical tips and strategies you might coach somebody through if they were looking to, to maybe not 20 months, maybe, I don't know, a month, six weeks, three months. Give us some practical tips and strategies. How can somebody start yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was 32 when I started my break, um, but the average age of my clients is in their early 40s, and I've coached people all the way through their mid 50s. It's a real spectrum. Um, no matter where you are, what age you are, where you are in the stage of planning, my biggest piece of advice is to set your foundation. So, we talked about, you know, that purpose statement and four themes. It's really important. Now, if your break is less than three months, I would call that an abbreviated break. And so, I would give myself two to three themes. I wouldn't overwhelm myself. But if you're doing three months or longer, I would go for four, even if it's two years, only four. Um, but they're kind of like, they come together to be this North Star that guides you towards a fulfilling and successful experience. So, understanding why. Do I need this break? And what would be four sort of higher level things I really want and need to get out of this experience, right? So one of my clients, I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this. Um, one of my clients, her purpose statement was so sort of the one we developed together was so beautiful. It was to put herself back at the center of her life. So between her career and her responsibilities, um, you know, as a daughter, as a wife, as, as dot, 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 right? It was like her life was revolving around everyone but her. And this break was a chance for her to put herself in the middle and rediscover what makes her special, to do things that fill her cup. Um, and I really love that. But think about what your purpose statement would be and what those themes would be. 
That's a really important first step is kind of develop the beginnings of that blueprint. And then another thing is know your numbers. So it doesn't have to be, you know, exact specificity, but understanding, okay, if I was going to take six weeks off, how much extra money would I need or what would it cost for me to take that time? Because sometimes what I see is people don't have a number. And so it feels impossibly big, like this goal is too big. So they just keep kicking the can down the road or they decide they can never take a break. But that number might not be as big as you fear it is. So when I was writing this book, I pulled some of my past clients and came to this average cost of taking a break. And there are many different ways to take a break. Some people have partners, some people are solo. Obviously, there's a lot of different um, factors that go into it, but the average cost was 3,600 US dollars per month, right? What? Yeah. And so if you're going abroad, especially, um, and you're not maintaining a home base, if you are, obviously that, you know, that, that factors into it. But if, for instance, you were going to go on a three month break and travel for that, that cost of living might actually be lower than your current cost of living. Or if you want to do what some of my clients do and have a staycation where you're at home and you're not traveling, but you're really focused on connecting to yourself, connecting to your loved ones, exploring, you know, new ideas, new hobbies, taking courses, what, what have you, it, it might be a lot cheaper than you think it could be. So really understanding how much would it cost, right? And then realizing and understanding how far am I currently from that goal? So when I knew it was going to take me $38,000 or so I thought to take a year to travel around the world, I only had $1,500. I then had a very clear understanding of how much money I would need to save to make that break happen. So I recommend knowing the numbers again, even if they're just estimates. And you know, the last thing I would say is really journaling about what your fear is. You can do it as a list, but writing out all the reasons you're afraid to take this leap. Some of them are going to seem really silly when you write them down, but it's important to see them and to realize some of them are irrational and maybe you don't want to believe them anymore. Some of them you will hold on to. You'll be like, no, I'm really afraid of that. I see it in writing and I'm still scared <laughs> of that, right? But to eliminate half of them, writing them down and going, oh, wow, okay, I'm worried about what I'm going to do about health insurance. There's a solution for that. There's Google, there's ChatGPT. I can ask an entrepreneur that has to like fund their own insurance. Um, there are things like Cobra, you know, there are things like the exchange. There are solutions for this. So I don't need to let this be the obstacle that is insurmountable. I think really starting to address your fears is important. And the flip side of that is thinking about what you risk if you don't take a break. So we're afraid of what we're going to lose but our brains don't tell us, they don't let us focus on what we stand to gain and what we lose if we don't do the thing that we want to do. So I think mm -hmm. those are three great places to start if you are considering taking a break, but you don't feel ready to do it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such, such wisdom there. I mean, I really feel like I'm so glad you addressed the money because it's the biggest thing. Well, I can never afford it. I can never yeah. afford it. So, so glad you addressed the money. Thank you. And I love the way that you've kind of added fear into this pillar because, yeah, there are going to be fears. Right? We just talked about discomfort, right? Yeah. There are going to be fears. And just, I love that. List them out, let's face them, and let's let's also also with that look at what you're going to gain right look try and have that balanced perspective yeah beautiful so tell me a little bit about your life now i'm curious so you've had this trip you've written this book which i'll absolutely put links to the show notes um for the book so what does your life look like now you've come back 
Yeah, I, you know, I came back from that break in 2015 and it was life-changing, but I actually went back to corporate because I had a lot of debt to pay off and that was the way I knew how to pay it off. So I landed five job offers in just five weeks after returning from a 20-month break. And that was like, wow, okay, there's something to this taking. Yeah, there's something to this taking a break thing. It did not actually hinder my career at all. It actually moved it forward. But that's one of the fears. I'm going to jump in. That is one of the fears. Like, I can't take time off. I can't take a break because I'll never get back into the job market, right? That is a fear I hear a lot. Oh my gosh, yes. And let me tell you, planning and intentionality in designing your break, even if you started it and you're hearing this at the beginning of a break, it's not too late. It will be the, it's the recipe for everything, right? Creating a re-entry period, giving yourself time to decompress and think about what you want to do next is so critical. That is what saved me. So I had this amazing experience and I gave myself time to process that amazing experience and get clear on what my new goal was and what my benefits of this amazing experience had been so that I could show up in the interviews as a powerful candidate. But that's absolutely one of the most common fears. And what I have experienced through my clients, I have had multiple clients get poached out of a break. So number one, they never even updated their resume. They never even went searching for a job. A recruiter, a past manager, somebody from their past reached out to them and said, hey, I know you're on a break, but we have this great opportunity. And I'm just wondering, would you consider come working for us? One of my clients was getting paid twice as much as her last job because she went in as a contractor, right? So number one, some people just skip the job search altogether. And number two is I've also had multiple clients tell me this was the easiest job search I've ever had. They find jobs in two weeks, in three weeks, in five weeks, in six weeks. And these aren't people that have always found jobs that quickly. But when you're being really intentional about this experience, it leaves you feeling more inspired, more recharged. You feel braver. You are probably investing in, you know, upgrading your thinking. Uh, you might even spend some time upskilling or doing a fellowship or something like that. And so you come back as a stronger candidate with the same experience, the same expertise, the same network and the same education. And if you can articulate the benefit of the break in a way people can understand, it makes you super memorable and very desirable, right? And so that absolutely doesn't need to be something that holds you back from taking a break if you want and or need one. Yeah. I think I want to add another another layer into that. I mean, I have would have to imagine when you think about energy, right? I mean, coming back from the break, you just have to exude I don't know. I want to say power, confidence, like you can kind of take, take the world by the horns, right? I mean, you just have to exude, exude this energy that has to be so attractive, right? When you're sitting with a recruiter or a a prospective employer, right? So it's, it's, yeah, those tangible things, but this intangible energy that, Hey, this person can tackle the world, right? Energy that just is just so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it all starts with your belief, right? So it's really important, I think, to have a re-entry period so that you can be grounded in that belief to exude that energy. I do believe that energy is part of how I got those job offers, but I had to create time to understand and embody deep down what these benefits and changes were so that 
I showed up with confidence because I've definitely seen people that don't plan an intentional break show up with a lot of fear and a worry that they're going to be stigmatized or that they have to accept less. And you will show up with energy that says, I will accept crumbs if that's what you believe. So it's important to really, you know, own that belief when you come back so you can embrace that energy. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the question, what does your life look like today? What do you tell about your life today? When you came back, you went back into corporate. Yeah. So what does your life look like today? Yeah. So then I got certified. Um, once I paid off my debt, I paid off the last 42000 in 21 months, got certified as a life coach in 2016 and started coaching. And so I've been coaching for many years and I've been helping other people take breaks. So today, you know, I've been a nomad since 2018. So that's, oh my gosh. So many years, it's kind of hard to believe. So for the last six years, it was primarily international until COVID. And then a lot of it has been um, centered around the US to be closer to family and friends and things like that. But I've been a digital nomad. And so I get to spend my time um, helping people take breaks, helping people plan breaks, and then having many adventures for myself. I still love to have adventures and go to new places and see new things and experience new foods, of course. Um, And for the last year, I spent a lot of time writing a book. And that was an incredible journey. You talk about growing outside your comfort zone. You talk about, you know, why is it better uh, to, to go for things, right? To chase those green flags instead of creating a life where you're trying to avoid red flags, i.e. discomfort. And this book would never, ever have been created if I was only allowing myself to do things that I already knew I could do and that I knew I could do well and that I knew would turn out fine. That is not the case, right? So this experience was a really interesting experience for me to walk my talk in a different way um, and sort of on another level and continue growing. But um, but that's what I've done. So my book is out now. And so I spend my time being a nomad, having adventures, promoting my book and um, coaching people to take life-changing breaks too. Beautiful. And you're glowing. I mean, you clearly are really aligned with what you're doing today, right? You, you can just kind of feel it just coming through you can feel it it's it's beautiful so wow what an amazing amazing story amazing story i'm really happy for you really happy that's really awesome yeah thank you so much kate so my final question is um if if you had a piece of sage advice about living intentionally um to share with listeners what would it be because i love this whole thing about living intentionally i think it's so important so what would that be? One piece of advice for listeners, really yeah. live intentionally. I'm going to make this really simple because I think simple is best. One of the keys to living intentionally is having priorities. And that can feel so unsafe sometimes because you want to do it all. But if you try to do it all, you're going to do none of it, I promise. So my biggest piece of advice is start small. And if you want to know where to start, Think about what a level 10 would be in your life, in any aspect of your life, in your career, in your leisure time, in your connections, in your relationships, in learning, in money. Pick something that feels like, I want to have a goal, a vision, a dream. I want something more than this. And when you paint that level 10, ask yourself the simple question, what's one thing I could do today that would get me a tiny bit closer. So I'm going to give you an example. If health is one of your, like if that's one of your big things and you're like, man, I would love to be in shape. I would love to be hydrated. I want lots of energy. I should be meditating. Great. If that's what level 10 looks like, awesome. You're probably, you know, at level four today. If you're at level four today, what's one thing you could do and how can you make it simple? 
maybe you start by pouring a glass of water the night before you know you wake up the next day and you put it by your nightstand. So the very first thing you do when you wake up is you drink some water. Or maybe you're like, man, I just need to find some type of movement that I like because I hate exercising. I hate fitness. I'm going to put time on my calendar Saturday at 12 p.m. to spend one hour Googling dance classes or you know some type of thing that you're interested in. And, and just to give myself permission to schedule one class. I'm going to like look and find one class to take, right? So it's really deciding what what the priority is for you today. And then thinking of one simple baby step you can take and implement immediately to get closer to that vision. Mm, I love that. Very wise words for listeners. So yeah, great, great advice. Thank you. Before we wrap up today, is there anything else you want to add or share anything that you wanted to kind of give listeners that I didn't didn't cover or we didn't get to connect on today? I think you've covered so many great things, Kate, and I've really enjoyed talking to you. This has been so fun. And I think I just actually want to underscore what we've already talked about, which is live a life where you are going after the things that you want. Because if you let your fear be the guide, I promise you, your life will feel so small compared to what it could be. And you will come to the end of your life wondering what you were so afraid of, because what you really have to lose, right, is is just this one precious life. And we're all going to lose ours eventually, but can we make the most of what we have while we have it? And I think that's what I'm trying to do. And I want to encourage, you know, you listening to this to do the same, to, to decide I'm worth it. I have permission to live my life. And if taking a break is how you're going to pave the way, it's sort of the portal that you want to take into reevaluating and making a pivot. Absolutely. I highly encourage you to lean into that desire and continue exploring. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, you have certainly inspired me today. I feel like I need to go get get my vision and my purpose and make, make sure I've got my pillars in. Um, so thank you so much for showing up today. Thank you for connecting. It's been an absolute pleasure. Again, I'll put links to you in the show notes. Where can people find you if they do want to connect? Yeah, I'm always on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and you can also find me on my website, thecareerbreakbook.com. Um, you'll see more about the book and more about me there. And I'm happy to connect. I love connecting. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. So reach out, hit her up. I'll put the links in the show notes. And thank you again. Thank you, listeners. It's been a joy. Thanks so much for listening. I truly appreciate you and your time. I love to hear from listeners. So connect with me at katechampionauthor.com. Remember to grab your free hiking guide and please take a quick moment to rate, review and subscribe to the show. Thanks so much. Take care. Until next time. Hey, me again. Just a reminder, this podcast should not be considered professional advice. It's also not a substitute for mental, physical, or any other healthcare-related treatments. For any questions about your condition and or concerns, please contact a fully licensed healthcare professional. Thank you.